So, uh, again, welcome. It is great to be together and um, to be with all of you this morning. Everybody hear me okay? Everything's good? Okay, thanks. You can give the, the, the Zoom thumbs up. I like it. So, um, if you've got your Bible with you, <clears throat> turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And um, as you're going there and as we're kind of getting into the sermon, um, I, I just want to begin with this. First, I want to encourage us as a church body. Um, we are in a really weird world, a really weird reality right now in um, everywhere, but um, specifically here in Montreal and Quebec right now. Things are, are weird. And uh, so I want to encourage you in this. It's okay um, to feel the weight of that. It's okay to feel the sadness of that. It's okay to lament um, things that are hard, things that are not normal. Um, and it's okay to say, this is really hard, you know, and such a, the, the goodness of God is that he invites us to come to him and pour out our hearts to him. And I encourage you to do that. Tell God what's on your heart. Tell God what you're going through. Tell him your struggles, your frustrations, your joys, all of those things. And as we allow ourselves to feel the weight of that sadness. And as we lament, when we look in scripture, the picture we see is that we lament and we have sadness, but we do that with an ultimate hope. We don't, we don't go through those things without hope. Um, and we know that our hope is in Jesus. And if you read through the Psalms, there's so many times when David and others say, hey, God, this is hard. How long is this going to go on? And then he always turns and says, but I know that my God is faithful. I know that God is who he says he is. And so we can live in that same format. So I want to encourage you with that. Secondly, I just want to to remind us, God is in control. And that seems so simple and it can seem like something you put on like a inspirational poster, but it is so much deeper. It is, we go to God's word, we look and we see that our God is in control. Our God is sovereign, that nothing that we face is a surprise to God. And in the middle of the difficulties of life, we can trust that God is in control. We can trust and say, God, would you actually work in me during this time? As we go through these things, God, what are you teaching me? There's not a lot that we can change, but we can say, God, what are you teaching me? How are you refining me? How are you shaping me? It's really easy to kind of point our fingers to other things and say, well, if this and if that, but there's, we don't have much control, but we can trust that God is in control. And we can say, okay, God, would you work in me? And then finally, I just want to remind you with the words of Psalm 136. And in this Psalm, um, it says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. If you go look at the Psalm, it's 26 verses. And it has that phrase, his steadfast love endures forever, all 26 times. And it's purposefully repetitive because we are hard-headed people and we need to have this repetitive message to us every moment, every day. His love endures forever, even in a pandemic, even in lockdowns, even in things we agree with or disagree with in our sadness, our worry, anxiety, joy, longing, sorrow, stress, loneliness, fear, whatever it is, his love endures forever. Let's rest in that this morning. Let's hear that with our ears, but in our heart to say, okay, I still can't make sense of a whole lot, but God, your love endures forever. So um, that was the pre-sermon. Now it's time for the sermon. So I just wanted to (laughs) encourage us with that and remind us of that. So as we go through our series called Jesus is Better, um, what, what does that mean? 
Better than what? Uh, better than all of the stuff in the world that we try to find fulfillment in. We look at, you know, we, we think about, okay, well, if I owned this, if I had this, if I had this relationship or that house or that car or that vacation, remember vacations the, when you like went somewhere, like remember those, um, you know, all those things. If I had that, then I'd be satisfied. But what we are saying and looking at is Jesus is better than anything else in this world that we could say, hey, that's going to fulfill me. And all those things, those are good things, but Jesus is better. Because when we look to good things to bring us lasting satisfaction to our hearts, they will leave us empty. And this truth, as we think about God's word and our Christian faith, this is a foundational truth. That if we are looking to something else to satisfy our hearts other than God, we're going to be left feeling empty. But the beauty of it is, is that Jesus is better. He is good. He is the one that satisfies our souls. And we need this truth in our hearts as we kind of as we're starting into a new year. It's, it's a time to recalibrate and say, okay, am I actually living as if Jesus is better? Or am I trying to find what I'm looking for in other things, even good things, but Jesus is better. And our prayer as we go through this series is that our hearts will be aligned to pursuing Jesus to the deep understanding that pursuing and knowing Jesus is better than anything else that we can give our lives to. We're going to read in 2 Timothy chapter 2, and the context here is Paul is writing to Timothy. And Paul had sent Timothy to Ephesus to lead the church there, to guard it against false teachers and to bring healthy leadership and structure to the church. And so Paul's older at this point. He's writing to a younger Timothy saying, hey, here's how this needs to happen. Here's how I'm helping you. Let this church be healthy and thriving. All right, so we're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to read just two verses, verses 22 and 23. Here's what it says. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. Short scripture, let me pray for us and then we'll jump into this again. God, would you speak to us through your word this morning? God, we want to hear from you. We need to hear you, your voice speaking to us. Lord, draw our hearts to understand deeply in our hearts, Jesus, that you are better and that you are what we are longing for. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So there are a lot of times, hang on, I'm gonna rearrange my... I don't know where to put my iPad. This is the problem without me like looking around. Oh, well. All right. Well, there's a lot of times when I do something that I know is not good for me, but I trick myself into thinking it will be. Like, okay, hey, I, I should have a second helping of dessert. That will be good for me, right? But we know that it's not. Hey, I should watch one more episode of a show instead of going to sleep, Right? I think it's good for me, but it's not. Um, hey, maybe if I allow myself to get angry with someone, right? Just because in the moment it makes me feel a little bit better, right? It's not good for me, but I think it'll help, right? And I'm guessing I'm not alone. You can like raise your hand or give me a thumbs up if I'm not alone in this. That we often think, hey, this is going to make me be good for me, but it's not. And so the scripture that we just read would call these things youthful passions. And we all have them. 
And they cause us to think that up is down and down is up. They cause us to think that we can find joy and fulfillment in something other than Jesus. These youthful passions make us think that temporary material things will fill fill the void in our hearts that can only be filled by Jesus. And so Paul here tells Timothy and us, flee these youthful passions. Now this is a tall order. This is not a simple, it's a simple thing to say, but it's not a simple thing. So how do we do that? Why do we do that? You know, our, our, our flesh and the world around us would say, why? Just do whatever makes you feel good, right? That's the, the world we live in, and that's, that's the way our flesh and our sinful nature operates. So why should we flee these youthful passion, passions? So let's look closely at the passage today and see this is the invitation to us. This is the main point this morning. Flee the things of the world and pursue Jesus because Jesus is better than the things of the world. It's kind of repetitive. I did that on purpose. Flee the things of the world and pursue Jesus because Jesus is better than the things of the world. So again, Paul, at this point, Paul is an old man and he's writing this letter to Timothy who is younger. As I said, Paul had sent Timothy to the city of Ephesus to lead the church there. Now, Ephesus was a very large, very diverse city and the church there was seemingly small and insignificant, surrounded by uh, a pagan culture of false gods, of materialism, of sensuality, all kinds of things happening in Ephesus. So Paul's writing to Timothy, telling him how to lead and live out his faith in a culture that wanted to suck him into anything and everything except for following Jesus. Now, this should sound familiar to us because this is the world that we live in, right? On the surface, the church is small and insignificant. We live in a culture that wants to suck us into anything and pull us into anything except for following Jesus. And so this passage is important for for us. And the context is important for us to say, how do we live out our faith? How do we follow Jesus when there's nobody in the world around us cheering us on to do that, right? So we live in a world that's pretty similar to Timothy. How do we live out our faith in this culture? How do we flee the world and run to Jesus? Well, the easy answer, the short answer is by knowing that Jesus is is better. So we flee the things of the world and pursue Jesus because Jesus is better than the things of the world. Three points I want to look at this morning. First, identify youthful passions. Second, flee youthful passions. And third, pursue Jesus. So the first point here, identify youthful passions. Let's look at verse 22 again. It's just those first three three or four words. It says, so flee youthful passions passions, right? It gives us so the, the context here, the background, it kind of goes back into is, is all of that. It's, it's Paul telling Timothy, hey, don't, in, earlier in chapter two, he says, live as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. He's giving this analogy of, he says, a soldier does not get caught up in civilian affairs. He's obeying his master. He's doing what he's called to be doing. He's staying focused on what is most important. Then he goes through and says, hey, some people have, uh, he gives this example of these two guys named uh, um, Hymenaeus and Philetus. He says they have swerved from the truth. They were false teachers. So these, he's giving us this picture of there are people that are going to go this way and that way. And he comes to verse 22 and he says, so flee youthful passions. 
What does he mean by youthful passions? Well, the word youthful here um, is not given to us in the positive sense. Like we can think, oh, it's great to be youthful and full of life. It's actually giving us the sense of immaturity, inexperienced, lacking wisdom. That's what it's trying to tell us here, this youthful um, this youthful idea, right? Um, and then the idea of passions, the word means desire, lust, craving. So it's this, we kind of, we know what that means. He's saying, you know, these youthful passions, these cravings, these desires, these lusts, these things that we have in us. And Paul's telling Timothy to flee these things. But before we talk about fleeing, what are these youthful passions and how can we identify them in our own life? He doesn't, you know, Paul here doesn't give like a list of, you know, flee these things. He just says youthful passions. And so I think that um, there's a scripture in 1 John chapter 2, verses 15 through 17, and it's helpful in giving us some categories. I'm going to read it in verses 15 through 17. And it says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. I think this is helpful because it gives us these categories of the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. I think we can kind of categorize some youthful passions in these categories. And so this, li- this list is actually not going to be complete. Um, so this is just a kind of a framework. Desires of the flesh, what could that be? That could be anything from sexual sin, eating too much, obsessing over physical health, right? I've, we've all known, probably we've either done it or we've known people that like their physical body is like the thing. It's their idol. So these desires of the flesh that could be called youthful passions, Things that, you know, again, it could be a whole host of things ranging from eating too much, sexual sin, all these things. Secondly, the desire of desires of the eyes. I think we can place the idea of sexual sin here again also because we live in a world filled with things that we look at visibly that can be viewed visibly that lead us into sexual sin. So the desire of the eyes, the longing to get something, to have something. Um, I think a desire of the eyes could be trying to fit in to the world. Really the idea of, I want what they have, so I'm going to adjust my life to get what they have because I see what they have and I want it. So the desire of the eyes, uh, and then simply like materialism, right? You can walk around any shopping center or mall, and that's the easiest way to become discontent is to go to the mall because you start looking around being like, ooh, I want that, ooh, I want that, I need that. So this, this desire of the eyes, wanting all these things around us. So materialism, I think, would fall into that. And the third thing is the pride of life. This one's a little more tricky, but... Um, I kind of thought through, okay, um, I think anger falls into this because anger basically is saying, I'm angry because life is all about me. Now there's good anger and bad anger, but we're talking about bad anger. When we get into those situations, we say, I'm angry at you or at the situation because life is all about me. So it's the pride of life. It's self-centeredness. It's that selfish idea of saying, it's all about me. The pride of life is also just living in a foolish manner, saying, I'll do whatever I want. I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care the consequences. I'm going to live foolishly. It's my life. And then simply the word pride there as well. Pride saying, no one can tell me what to do. I know best what to do. My ideas are best. I don't need to learn or hear from someone else. So 
the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, and the pride of life. We're looking at this. What are these youthful passions? And like I said, this is not a complete list, and every person is different. But in order to flee youthful passions, we need to identify them in our lives. And so maybe right now you are in your youthful phase, and I won't put an age cap on that. I'll let you decide what youthful means for you. But so maybe you're in your youthful phase. You need to identify those things and say, uh, yeah, I see this in my life and I need to, these things are leading me away from Jesus. These are the things that are forming me into the image of the world, not the image of Jesus. So you need to identify those things that are like in your life right now. Hey, these are the youthful passions that I deal with and face and feel in my own heart. Or maybe you're older and you don't self-identify as youthful, but have you left behind youthful passions? Because they kind of linger around. It's not based on age, really. I think that's part of what Paul's trying to say here is like, hey, we can be, uh, you know, our, our driver's license can say we're a certain age, but we live with youthful passions. We never got away from them. We never ran away from them. And so whether you're younger or if you're older, have you left these things behind? Can you identify What are these youthful passions? So how do we identify these things? Uh, I I think there's some some simple things. I think we immerse ourselves in God's word and we pray the prayer of Psalm 139 that says, search me, O God, and know my heart. There's there's an, an honesty that we have to come to God with and say, God, what are the youthful passions in me? What are the things that are pulling me away, that are drawing me away? And we have to humble ourselves and listen and allow God's word to be a mirror that we hold up and say, okay, scripture says, don't live this way. I'm living this way. This is a youthful passion that I need the grace of Jesus to change in me. Search me, oh God, know my heart. I think secondly, we invite trusted brothers and sisters in Christ into our lives who can lovingly speak truth to us, helping us identify our blind spots. We all have blind spots. We all have things that we think and say and do that we think are fine. And yet, if we would humble ourselves and listen to someone else who would bring us into God's word and say, hey, you're doing this, you're saying this, you're living this way, but it's not right. We can identify these youthful passions when we let trusted people in to say, hey, help me see the things in my life that are not honoring to God. We must identify youthful passions. Secondly, flee youthful passions. This is not, uh, it's all pretty simple here. Paul's pretty direct. And in verse 22, Paul tells Timothy, flee these youthful passions. The word flee means to escape or to take flight. There's an urgency to it, to get out of there, get away. Um, A long time ago, when Abby and I were I don't know how long we've been married, but we, we lived in this house and we lived um, out in the country. Abby has no idea that I'm telling this story, so this will be good. We lived out in the country and uh, Annabelle and Maya were pretty young at the time. And um, I was out of the country. I was in Nicaragua with um, some of our mission partners. And uh, she calls me on FaceTime while we were there and she's kind of panicky and she's, I'm trying to figure out what's going on. And she's like, there's a snake in the bathroom. (laughs) We lived in this house in the country and somehow this big, long black snake had gotten into the bathroom and she was in the bathroom. Yeah, you know, I don't know what she was doing, but she sees this snake. Now I was not there, but I'm going to, I'm going to put words in her mouth. In that moment, 
The only thing she knew to do was flee, to get out of there, to escape. And that's literally what she did. She got Annabelle and Maya. She said, get out, get out. And they go out on the front porch. And she called my dad and he came and, you know, pretty gruesomely took care of the snake in front of my young daughters, you know. So whatever. This is, this is what happens in the country if you're not from the country. Um, but that's how it goes. So, but that's the picture I want just to see. If there was a snake in your bathroom, you would get out of there. You would flee and it's escape, take flight, it's urgent. I'm not sticking around, I'm not hanging around here because I've got to get away. So Paul says, flee youthful passions. And what Paul's wanting us to hear in this passage is that all of these youthful passions will pull us away from God and from the life that God wants for us. God wants for us a life of deep relationship with him. He wants us to live a life of purpose, of living to build and to, um, to see his kingdom grow and expand, to live a life that brings glory to him. And these youthful passions pull us away from those things and rob us of those things. And so in verse 23, again, Paul says, have, he says, have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. That phrase there, have nothing to do, is again this idea of flee. Get away from it. Have nothing to do with it. You don't need it in your life. He says, flee these foolish, ignorant controversies. So Paul's saying, hey, don't get sucked into the pointless stuff around you. Don't get caught up in the arguments, the controversies, the social media discussions, the endless headlines. You know, Paul says, it only breeds quarrels. Flee from it. Run from it. Flee youthful passions. Have nothing to do with all of these things that are going to distract us and pull us away from Jesus. And we live in a world where everything is like, you know, we live in a, a marketing driven world. Everything is shiny and glittering and saying, hey, buy me, come to do this, you know, whatever. And Paul is saying, flee all of that stuff. Flee all that stuff that shines and glitters, that gives promises that it cannot fulfill. Flee youthful passions, escape, run from it, get away from it. So how do we apply this? And I think how you apply this is up to you. In a, in a, this will make sense. So it goes into identifying your youthful passions. So is your phone or your computer feeding your youthful passions? Well, maybe you need to make some changes on how and when you use those things. Is materialism, money, buying stuff, consuming stuff, is that, are you wrapped up in that? Maybe you need to learn how to stop going to the mall, <laughs> live with a budget. I, you know, I don't know, in order to flee this, maybe you need to take steps to say, okay, this is consuming me. Here's what I need to do to get myself out of that. Is social media fueling your anger, anxiety, fear, lack of contentment? Maybe you need to make some changes on how much you use it, when you use it, if you use it. Flee youthful passions. Here's the point. I, I don't know exactly what it looks like for you to flee. But Paul has, a, there's an urgency in these words from Paul to Timothy. Run from it. Escape. Get out of there. Flee youthful passions. Identify them and run from them. So I think my, my encouragement for you to say, be to take time and say to, to make that practical. Okay, how can I flee youthful passions in my life? Finally, pursue Jesus. 
When we flee, we don't just run aimlessly. Um, I think I've given examples. If you see, how many have seen the movie Elf? Yes, no, it's a Christmas movie. Maybe you watched it recently. I think one of my favorite parts in that movie, he is sitting in a bathroom and someone is taking a shower. It's not as weird as it seems. And she figures out he's in there and he's, it's all innocent. And he flips out and just stands up and runs and runs into like a set of lockers and falls over. He runs like aimlessly and hits it. It's my favorite part of the movie. I love slapstick like that, right? But we don't flee these youthful passions aimlessly. We don't just take off running. We pursue Jesus. We run towards Jesus because Jesus is better. He is what we're looking for. We're longing for. He is better than these youthful passions. And all of the cravings that we are trying to fill are found in Jesus. We need to hear this deeply again today because it is really easy to say, oh yeah, I know that. I believe that. And then we go through our life thinking, ooh, if I just had that, then that would, I think I'd feel better. If I had that, I'd be content. And sometimes it is the smallest, dumbest things that we think are going to make us content and happy. We need to be reminded Jesus is better. And all the cravings that we're trying to fill are found in Jesus. The scripture specifically says here in verse 22, he says, so flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. What's he getting at here? He says, pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. It means that we are fleeing youthful passions passions, and pursuing a life that is different from everyone else around us. Let's break that down. Righteousness means to be right with God. It's a sense of holiness. We're fleeing youthful passions to live a life of being right with God, of holiness. We're fleeing youthful passions to live a life of faith. A life of faith means we are depending on God, trusting in him. Not living based on what we see, but living based on what is true. Living a life of faith. We are pursuing a life of love. The opposite of that would be selfishness or hatred. It's easy to see it in ourselves. It's easy to see it all around us, but we pursue a life of love. And then he says, pursue a life of peace. How many people do you know are living a life of peace? It's not many, right? But we can. We can live a life of peace rather than anxiety, rather than fear, rather than discontentment, all of these things. We can live a life of peace because we find our peace in Jesus. And that's what Paul is saying here. These things, righteousness, faith, love, peace, these things he tells them to pursue are only found in Jesus. Jesus is the fulfillment of these things. Jesus is our righteous one. Jesus is the faithful one. Jesus is love. Scripture says God is love. Jesus is our peace. I just got distracted by a comment, but that's okay. Mabel had to leave. Bye, Mabel. Jesus is our peace. And so Paul says, flee youthful passions and pursue these things. It means we're pursuing Jesus. We're realizing that what we need is found in Jesus. He is the fulfillment of all of these things. I love how it says, pursue these things along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. That's encouraging because we don't have to do this alone. We do this in spiritual community. You're not on your own. 
that we flee these, these youthful passions. We pursue Jesus as a spiritual community. So how do we pursue Jesus? There's lots of practical things that are really, really important. We take time to read God's word, prayer, worship, discipleship. These things are vital. But I think before we even get there, we've got to remember that pursuing Jesus starts in our hearts. It starts when we, by his spirit and by his grace, lose our taste for the world. To pursue Jesus, we have to come to the end of ourselves to say, I've got no hope on my own. I'm not going to find what I need anywhere else. I'm not going to find who God made me to be. God made us to be in relationship with him. I'm not going to find that anywhere. And we come to the end of ourselves and realize all we need is in him. And so to make this practical, what it looks like to pursue Jesus is get alone with God. Let your heart be bare and open before him. Ask him to help you hunger and thirst for him. Flee the things of the world and pursue Jesus because Jesus is better than the things of the world. And as we close this time and prepare to do some breakout rooms, we, we just remember, we remember the truth of the gospel that tells us that we are broken and sinful. We have these longings, these cravings, these youthful passions. These are a result of a sinful nature deep in us that we can't fix by ourselves. But God and his love and his grace has sent Jesus to rescue us out of our sin. He died on the cross and he rose again. And we need to remember that again because it points us to the fact to say, Jesus is better. Jesus has done everything that we could not do. And it's a reminder that it is not through our own strength, it's not through our own power that we flee youthful passions. It is through the work that Jesus accomplished on the cross, that sin and death has been conquered. We are no longer, Scripture says, we are no longer a slave to sin, but we are slaves to righteousness, meaning that we belong to God. And it is not through our own goodness. It's not just because we try harder or grit our teeth and say, okay, I'm going to be better that we flee youthful passions. It's when we come to the end of ourselves and realize I can't do it. I can't fix it. But Jesus, you can. This is the truth of the gospel that we need to hear and we need to live in every day. So I'm going to begin setting up breakout rooms here. But what I want us to remember is that Jesus is better. Jesus is the one that we are longing for. As we go to breakout rooms, this is going to take me just a second here. This is exciting, um, exciting uh, Zoom calling here. Give me one moment. Okay, so here's how this is going to work. Um, Graham and Dylan and myself have, well, I say this, I've never done this before, so here's what I think is going to happen. <laughs> um, if you've been on Zoom, it, it, so it can split us into rooms. You're already assigned into rooms randomly. And uh, Graham and Dylan and I have some just discussion questions to talk through. So um, I encourage you to be talkative and uh, and, and put some thought towards applying um, this uh, the scripture today. Um, 
Okay. And, uh, but we'll have, we'll have 10 minutes. And so at the end of that 10 minutes, it will bring us automatically all back in here. So something's going to pop up on your screen to say, join a room. So click on that and then it will automatically bring us back to the main room. All right. So we'll come back here in about 10 minutes and sing one more song together and then go from there. Sound good? Good. Okay. Yes. Oh, there he is. Never Sorry. Mind. <laughs> I didn't I didn't realize that I had to your husband. <laughs> I had to join a room. I, it was not automatic. So Good. Well, I've been talking a lot, so this will be a chance for uh for you guys to talk. And so, pretty simple questions I just want to work through this morning. Um the first one is this. What are some youthful passions that you can identify in the world today? So, we can identify to them in ourselves, but I just want us to think through how I, you know, I kind of gave us some examples and a list, but what are some things that you would say um, are youthful passions? 